0: Good evening and a warm welcome to our podcast for July the 6th. My name is Denise, one of the leadership team here at Movilla Presbyterian. Over the last 16 months or so of the pandemic, I believe many of us have spent more time reading God's Word. A couple of verses I'd like to share are from Paul's second letter to Timothy. Paul is well on in years and included in his letter is encouragement to Timothy to stay faithful to the true message found in the Holy Scriptures. Verses 16 and 17 of chapter three say, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm very happy to welcome Paul Bailey to our podcast. Paul has been with us many times in Movilla and we look forward to his teaching over the next four weeks. We also continue to remember Paul and Anne in our prayers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that despite restrictions, we can still worship and be taught from your word through the gift of modern technology. By your Holy Spirit, may we be very aware of you speaking to us individually, whether we are taught something new or are rebuked about something in our lifestyle, attitude to others or faithfulness to you. May we be humble enough to accept your correcting and may we be trained in righteousness so that we might indeed be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, we know that as Christians you have a plan of work for each of our lives and we ask daily for your guiding and enabling. Forgive us for those sins which we may hide from others but can't hide from you. And thank you that when we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us thank you for your wonderful love extended to all and may we learn to love you more each day in jesus wonderful name we pray amen now we're going to have our first item of praise a very familiar piece sung by jonathan ray so let's listen or join in singing as we worship god with the words of Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
1: All is at rest I in my Savior I'm happy and blessed Watching and waiting Looking above Filled with His goodness Lost in His love This is my story saviour all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my saviour
2: all the day long. Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Reverend Dr. Paul Bailey and I just want to say a big thank you to the Reverend Robert Hamilton for allowing me to be the guest speaker over the next number of podcasts. I have spoken to Movilla before on the podcasts and uh, so I'm very grateful for the return invitation. What I have decided to do this year is, over the series of four podcasts, is to cover what I'm calling the tiny books of the Bible. Now, there are actually others that we could have done, but I've selected four. And those are Philemon, 2 John, 3 John and Jude. So we're sticking to the New Testament uh, this year. I'm an Old Testament teacher by background, but I'm going to exercise my New Testament skills this year. Well, let's start our study of Philemon by reading the book. And because it is such a tiny book, I'm going to read the whole thing. So we hear the word of the living God. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. And also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ... I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have kept him with me so that he could take your place in helping me whilst I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so, do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So friends, let's have a think about what we learn in this book. Just by way of introduction, let's say something about authorship and date and things like that. It's very clear that this is written by the Apostle Paul. He says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. So the authorship is entirely clear. In terms of date, the clue is there. Paul talks about being in change. So this is obviously during his time of imprisonment. And the book of Philemon was probably written at the same time as the book of Colossians, because we know that Philemon lived at Colossae. And In all likelihood, this letter was brought as a private letter to Philemon at the same time as Paul's letter to the Colossians was brought to the whole church. Now, as you look across all the writings of Paul, there's a great uniformity of thought. Paul is a very, very consistent writer. But the purpose for writing the different letters does vary. Obviously, the letter to the church at Colossae is a very theological letter, full of rich and deep teaching. This letter to Philemon is quite different in character. This is very much a personal appeal to Philemon to do the right thing. But what is the right thing that the Apostle Paul is asking Philemon to do? Well, we can reconstruct this from the contents of the letter it would appear that Philemon was a wealthy man who owned slaves, one of whom was called Onesimus. Now, first of all, let's just think for a few moments about this whole issue of the owning of slaves. Does the New Testament support this? Does it review it as a good thing? And I'm going to argue, and certainly this would be my own personal belief, that the New Testament on balance does not approve or in any way endorse slavery. We read in 1 Timothy 1, 9 through to 11, We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders, and liars, and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So we can see there in that particular passage that Paul is lumping in slave traders with the vilest of people, be they murderers or rebels. So slave trading, which of course is the the very heartbeat of the slave trade, is entirely condemned by the Apostle Paul. It's incompatible with a profession of Christian faith. So I have absolutely no difficulty in saying that the Apostle Paul clearly wanted to see an end to slave trading. In other ways, we can also discern that he did not approve of the normal kind of relationships that existed between masters and their slaves. So in Colossians chapter 4 verse 1, he instructs those who actually own slaves to treat them well and treat them with dignity and indeed compassion and love. That's totally radical within the context of the ancient Roman world. You might think it would have been better if Paul had gone further and just condemned slavery outright, but you'd have to understand that he's working in a situation where, on the one hand, the church expected Christ to return imminently. And so their whole focus was upon getting people to be aware of the gospel and bringing people to saving faith in Christ rather than seeking widespread societal change. In addition to that, if the church were to go around at that time demanding widespread changes, radical changes to society, the danger would be that the Roman authorities would accuse the Christians of being rebels, insurgents, criminals and take even further steps to suppress the church. But let's be quite clear, what we're saying here is that Paul and the church at large did not approve of slavery. They did not approve of slave trading. They desired to see it to come to an end, and they also wanted to see a change in the attitude shown by slave owners towards their slaves. And especially, therefore, this is the case where one of those slaves becomes a Christian. We don't know the precise circumstances of how this happened, but it would appear that Onesimus, the slave of Philemon, had run away. And it would appear also from the latter part of this epistle that when he was running away, Onesimus may well have helped himself to some of the property of Philemon. And in consequence of that, The Apostle Paul is offering to pay back to Philemon the value of the property that had been stolen. Again, as I say, the precise circumstances are unclear. It's not explained to us in this epistle how then Onesimus ended up meeting and befriending the Apostle Paul. But what is clear, however, is that through his encounter with Paul, Onesimus became a Christian believer and indeed formed a very close friendship with the Apostle Paul. And again, we don't want to get into too much conjecture here, but it would appear then that Paul, having led Onesimus to the Lord, felt that it was the right thing, the the duty of Onesimus, to return to Philemon and to seek reconciliation from Philemon. Now, you might not think that sounds terribly strange, but actually it was quite a big thing to ask Onesimus to do. Why is that? Well, that is because, under Roman law, Philemon had the right to put Onesimus to death. Runaway slaves were permitted to be executed. If Philemon chose to stand upon his rights under the law, he could certainly put Onesimus to death and there would be no repercussions whatsoever. But yet, Paul is very happy indeed to send Onesimus back to Philemon. Why is this? Well, it's because Paul passionately believes in the reconciling power of the gospel. He believes that because Philemon has been changed, because he has been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's not going to behave according to the old nature. He's not going to be someone who is consumed with a desire for vengeance against Onesimus, But because he has encountered the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and his people, that he is going to do the right thing. Notice that he doesn't order Philemon to do the right thing. As an apostle who had led Philemon to the Lord, he would have been within his rights to order Philemon to take Onesimus back. But that's not what he does. He believes that he will do it because he is a changed man. But in addition to that, he also believes that Onesimus is a changed man. And because of the change in Onesimus through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, that Philemon will also be able to accept him as a full brother in the Lord, no longer as a slave but as a co-equal. Now I've already made the point that Paul and the church were at pains not to appear in the Roman eyes to be social revolutionaries who were fomenting discontent in society and seeking to overthrow the established order, but at the same time let us not in any way underplay the radical message that they proclaimed. Roman society was deeply divided and stratified according to race, according to religion, according to gender, according to a whole variety of things. It was a deeply divided society, but yet Paul is here saying as he says elsewhere in the Gospel, that there is no master and there is no slave. Elsewhere, he says, there is no Jew and no Gentile. There is no male and female. There is no Scythian nor barbarian, but rather all are one in Christ Jesus. The New Testament does not record for us whether or not Philemon accepted Onesimus back. But I think we can probably safely assume that he did because of the reconciling and healing power of the gospel. I want us just to think about this for our last few remaining minutes and just remind ourselves that the the gospel heals really in all directions. It heals the vertical relationship between God and humanity and it heals on the horizontal plane because it brings together all sorts of different people who come from different backgrounds and have different perspectives but yet become one in Christ. When Christ went to the cross, he made a perfect once-and-for-all sacrifice that has turned aside God's anger against our sin. Through the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us through faith, God no longer sees our wickedness, our iniquities, and instead credits to us the righteousness of Jesus. Our sins are blotted out by the precious blood of the Lamb, and God sees our sins no more and accepts us. But that has a powerful effect upon our relationship with other people who enjoy that status before God. All of us who have been forgiven so much because of what Christ has accomplished for us are bound together as one body of believers. Because of the unmerited grace and mercy that has been extended to us as individuals by God, we then extend that grace and mercy to our dealings with our fellow believers. We bear with one another, we love one another, we forgive one another, we support and encourage one another. We read in 1 John 4, verse 19, We love one another because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And so, my friends, as we begin to draw to a conclusion in this podcast, I want to just say that very clearly, The overarching message of the book of Philemon is this powerful, wonderful message of the reconciliation that comes to us through the gospel. Reconciliation to God, but that also leads to reconciliation with those around us. Now, this particular message obviously demands application in our everyday lives as we operate both in the church and in the world. I think we would have to be very naive indeed not to notice that at the present time throughout the western world society is remarkably polarized. When we look at the political sphere, whenever we look at the social sphere, we see an amazing amount of hatred bubbling away all the time within our society. I think even within the last ten years we have seen remarkable changes, for the worse, within our society. Not just here in Northern Ireland, but right across the whole of the Western world. In the last 10 years in particular, we have seen a collapse of the old consensus that saw even secular people from competing viewpoints wanting to work together for the common good. That all seems to have pretty much gone out the window as nowadays people assume that people who disagree with their point of view must be complete and utter fools and knaves. And more than that, they're probably evil. We see it all the time in the inflammatory language that is used in modern society and politics, where people are constantly accusing one another of being sexist or racist or homophobic or one thing or another. We see it in other ways, where people are incessantly wanting to dig up the crimes of the past, both real and imaginary, and politicise those crimes of the past in order to beat over the head their current political opponents. And under such prevailing conditions within society, bipartisanship, the coming together for the common good, seems to become rarer and rarer. But sadly, we also see these trends creeping into the church and for obvious reasons i'm not going to try and name examples of this but we're all well aware of numerous examples where the christian principles of forgiveness and reconciliation have been thrown out the window in favor of inflammatory language and the desire just to win a conflict now well, we who are followers of christ have to be very careful indeed Not to be infected by the false values of the world around us. The examples that are set for us by politicians and social activists are very often very very bad examples indeed. They are contrary to what Christ would have us do and we need to make sure that that kind of thinking does not infect and infest our churches. We need to make sure that we examine ourselves in the light of Scripture. We need to make sure that we comport ourselves to what Scripture is teaching us. Theologically speaking, we know that we live in a lost and fallen world, and therefore conflict with other people is to some extent inevitable. Our experience of life will have borne this out. I'm entirely confident that there is no single person listening to this podcast who has not experienced conflict and strife at some point in their life. But the question is, how do we as Christians respond to that strife and those points of friction that we have with other people? We've talked a little today about slavery, and I want to just remind us that we are slaves to Christ, not slaves to the world. We are not slaves to the circumstances and the morality of the people around us. Philemon was, of course, within his rights to respond as a Roman citizen and put Onesimus to death. But that's not how he was going to respond. Paul knew that in his heart. Paul knew that as a changed person, Philemon would respond to Onesimus with grace and with reconciliation. We are changed people. We are people who have been regenerated by Christ through the power of his Spirit. And because we are changed, like Philemon, we can reject the standards of this current age. We can repudiate the rhetoric and the practice all around us of division and hatred and discord. And instead, we can model a higher and a better way, the way of Christ. And we could model it through our words and our deeds. We can proclaim the reconciliation that is found in Christ. Amen.
1: Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deep? You know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through. We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone open the scroll the lion of judah who conquered the grave he's david's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy father truly love us he does. does the spirit move among us he does. does jesus our messiah yeah, forever those he loves he does. does our god to break the seal and open this scroll the lion of judah who conquered the grave He's is david's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe every nation and tongue he has made us a kingdom and priest to god to reign with the Son. blessing
3: Good evening everyone. Uh, this is Leonard Francis here, an elder of Bavilla. I'd just like you to welcome to the podcast. The last praise that we were listening to, he was called As He is Worthy, sang by Jonathan Rand family. So let's let's come down to pray for others. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, provider of all things for the many blessings we receive each day from Yourself. We thank You that You made a way which we can come to You. That way is through the precious blood of Your dear Son, our Saviour and Redeemer, the Lord Jesus, to pray for others, those who need Your comfort, strength and healing. Some have to face difficult news because of operations, treatment be with each one, and may they love. May their loved ones know your peace and comfort to face what lies ahead. Lord, please remember those who used to worship with us in the villa and are unable because of age and health reasons. May they know we are as church. Always remember them. We ask your help with the problems. The politicians are here in Northern Ireland Ireland are finding, and we know this can be a dangerous time we face. May peace prevail, Lord. Lord, we see through the television the many disasters around the world. In China, we see the floods that people have to face, homes washed away. Lord, help those who try to help them. People in Asia also. Earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, Lord. And even in America, there's tornadoes, Lord. In other parts of the world, there's famine and disease, Lord. We believe that we are in the last days because we, it says in your word that these things will happen before Jesus returns. We thank you, Father, for your protection in this part of the world. We pray indeed in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Shall we, shall we say the benedicts together? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you all for listening. May God bless you.